Job, a type of Christ. And we covered this morning just so many other uh, things about Job. And now I want to cover the fact that he was faithful. Job was faithful. Let's look at a verse of scripture to get us started. Deuteronomy 7, 9, please. And then I'm not going to take the time to wait for you to get there. Some of you are really, you've, you're, you've been all over the Bible so much, you'll be there before I am maybe. Or, but I'm going to read them right off of my notes. I try to and usually co- copy them carefully enough. I have done this in later days rather than just giving the reference. Sometimes you put down the wrong reference. And then you don't get it at all. But if you write the, write the verse here, at least you get something. So Deuteronomy 7, 9, see if this is right. Yes, it is. Okay, let's stand again for this verse of Scripture. Talking about the faithfulness of God, but then I want to speak to you about the faithfulness of Job. And then the lack of pride in Job and the greatness of his humility. And we pray that God will somehow use this for his glory as we see Job that we'll see Jesus. His glory. Read it with me, please. This is Job 7, verse 9. No, I mean Deuteronomy, probably... I mean, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which giveth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Let's read it again. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him, and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Our Father and our God, we thank thee for the word of God. We thank thee for thy faithfulness. Great, truly great is thy faithfulness, but Lord, Job was one of thy faithful servants as well. So may we learn something from him, from his humility, his lack of pride, and there, Lord, his his, uh, great faithfulness. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First of all, uh, uh, he was faithful to his God. I mean, all the way through the book of Job, he talks about the things of God. He doesn't speak about the law because the law most likely was not written, and it's the oldest book, very possibly way before the Pentateuch was ever written. Very possibly, I don't know all the ins and outs and everything, might have been before even Genesis was penned, and that's part of the Pentateuch. I don't understand all these things. I don't know some of the books of the Bible, the very author, it seems like, told about his own death. That'd be just like the Word of God anyhow. God is so far beyond us and greater than we are, and so His Word is the same. He was faithful to his family. Dr. Bob Jones Sr., I have a sermon. I'm going to get these copied if, when Mrs. Boohorn and family gets back, and I want to get these maybe copied. Uh, Lord willing, and uh, get these old tapes that my boy Stephen gave me. It's five to seven tapes of Dr. Bob Jones Sr. In there, he talks about how women ought to dress and how they were starting to get these, uh, what do I mean, these slacks or things, uh, you know, these things up to the knees or something like that in his day, and he said it's not right. He was preaching on Deuteronomy 22. But he's preaching mainly about the battlements. But he also mentioned this other. 
He said, the women are getting to look like men. Boy, that was a long time ago. He died in, let's see, he died in 68. I think it was 68. He died, went to heaven. And so that was preached a good while before that, maybe in the 50s, because uh, when they, he, for a few years there, he was repeating himself and repeating himself and repeating himself. And uh, by the way, that's why I'm taking my fish oil pills and my tuna fish and, and uh, what else? Blueberries. Anything else you want to suggest? I'll take it. I know one thing. My grandmother became senile and it's very pitiful. She'd come down from the upstairs, bless her soul, and have her clothes on all funny. You know, and you didn't know whether to laugh or cry. You know what I mean? That's a bad thing when you, you, know, when you, when you lose your mind. So I'm not interested in that. I just soon die and go to heaven. Amen. But uh, tell you what, I, I talked to someone else just recently. They told me that they, they knew a certain person. This was another one. And um, when they got senile, you know, that, by the way, President Reagan got that way. He got Alzheimer's disease. And if you used to curse beforehand, you may caught curse and not even, not even mean to curse. And this other person, they were, they had kind of had to put him into a, a room by himself because he was saying things he'd never say in his right mind because he changed so after he got saved. So it'd be better off you never said those words, amen? Be better off you never thought those thoughts. And then when we get old and senile, if we do. But I don't want to go that way. He was faithful. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. Uh, brought out also about the, there'll be many more versions of the Bible in those group of tapes. I can't remember which one's which, though. I want to get them copied out, and then the, the uh, book that I gave to many of you when you all came back, I want to send that to Brother Streeter. He's a Bob Jones grad, and he said, I want, to, I want to get those tapes. Please send me a tape. And so I'm planning on doing that so I can get those, um, especially about the translations of the Scripture. He was interested in that. And so, by the way, you know, a, a, real, a real test uh, of our character and our lack of it or our slipping back into the things of the world is to do what they did at the university. They said they took a, a tape and they buried it or something. You know, I don't know what the, how they did it, but they, they put it underground and sealed it real well or something, and then they brought it up at a certain date. And when they listened to it, no one had listened to it, and they were shocked at how strong the old man was compared to what the school was now. Isn't that a shame? Shouldn't it be? Boy, we're right where we used to be, but most of us are not. Most of us are going backward. And so don't just blame them. Amen? We all have our good and our bad points. It's hard to maintain a testimony. I hope you pray for your pastor. Very difficult to maintain a testimony and to stick by the old stuff and try to just, you know, be evangelistic. I was, I was enjoying my granddaughter's uh, singing as well, Pastor Hammonds. And, um, and I enjoy Ruth raising her hand, saying she needs to be saved, and I pray she'll be saved soon. Just keep doing that, Ruth, till you get it all settled. But boy, she smiles just like her mother. She's got a smile. Don't you take delight in your grandkids or your kids? Hello. By the way, Pastor Hammonds, there's hope. Yes, uh, Dr. Ed Nelson, graduate of Bob Jones, and there are many times he preached a sermon one time, and he said, I just got my third pair of, he said there were bifocals, then trifocals, and then something else. He said, if there's another one, I'll try it too. 
He says, as long as it works, I'll keep using it. He must be 90 now. He's very old. And uh, he was going to be a missionary many, many years ago, and God's used him in such great ways here. But Dr. Bob Sr., he said there's four battlements that you need in one of these tapes. I'm speaking about the family. I believe that Job was faithful to his family. You need to be faithful to your family. He was faithful in, there was four battlements. The battlements around is in Deuteronomy 22. You're to build a battlement on the top of your roof. All the, the roofs over, you know, almost all the roofs in Israel were flat roofs. You'll go down into Mexico and they're still flat roofs. And so, by the way, in Jesus' day, when they got up on the roof and then they opened that up and they lowered the man down, the man who was palsied or whatever his ailment was and lowered right down in the middle of Jesus, it was a flat roof. He said there's four roofs you need to write them down in your brain, if nothing else. The first one is discipline. You better learn to discipline your children. On this tape, he mentioned that the university, they didn't, they didn't say that they were unorthodox in the earlier days. They just said their discipline was too strict. Too strict. Mm-hmm. They didn't want all the standards. Kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? Second thing is reverence for the Bible. Second battlement. Boy, we better have a reverence. Better teach our children to reverence the Bible, not throw it all over the place. Don't treat it like another book. It's a different book. It's God's book. I still like what old brother Bill Wingard, who's a graduate of the university as well, and he said, I don't like earlier on his life. I don't know if he holds to that. By the way, you can start out holding so straight on certain things, and you can change as you get older. You get around weaker people. Listen, you stay around weak people, you're going to become weaker. Did you get that, Christian? You get around weaker people, you're going to become weaker. If you let your kids around weak people, they're going to become weaker. Hello? You let your kids around worldly young people, they're going to become more worldly-minded. You say, well, I'm going to save the other one. Yeah, you're going to save the other one, but you're going to have a problem with your own. Hello? Huh? And everything that looks so good doesn't mean it, it actually is. Hmm? Some of you young ones, you don't, you don't have your kids growing up yet. You better, take, you better take and listen to the old man. I've had six kids. My wife and I don't miss much. I said, we don't miss much. And if we miss something for a while, we pick up on it pretty quickly. You younger ones better shape up. I said, you better shape up. Amen? Your kids aren't, you don't have a 40-year-old boy like me. 40! Isn't 39? Well, he's close to 40. I knew he was close to 40. 39-year-old. I have a boy, my firstborn, 39 years old. You know when you hear about a lot of their meanness? When you're my age. I just heard a couple things in the last two or three weeks about the kids. Uh-huh. Oh, you didn't know it, Dad, and I didn't. I was a lot weaker back then. I was a lot... I, I used to let them stay over at other people's houses and everything when I was a young person. My oldest daughter almost... Uh, my, my brother-in-law, he was drunk that night. He's a German, guzzling, beer guzzler. He could have defiled my daughter. I didn't know. I didn't have that standard back then. I have it now! 
When you're younger, don't expect to think you know it all when you're young. And, oh, my kids are just perfect. They're not perfect either. You'll find out how imperfect they are. Maybe at 50, 60, and 70 years old, you'll hear about it. Maybe sooner. Never had any of my children run away from home. We had a pretty good home. And Bethany wouldn't think about doing that. We'd have killer. Amen? She's not ruining my testimony. None of my kids are going to ruin my testimony. You know what I'll do? I'll tell her there's the door. I did that with one of my kids. I said, before you disobey me, you will hit the door. You will leave out of here. I don't care if you're a girl or a boy. And sometimes the girls are worse than the boys. Oh, that's one of my daughters. You think you got all this, you're growing up and you're something big. I said, you just find your own way. I'll put you right out on the street. If they know that much, let them go on their own. Not ruining my ministry. I said, they're not ruining my ministry. They'll do just what we tell them while they're in our house. Amen? And they'll love to do it if they got the right heart attitude. If they don't, then they need a whip and they need something. Hmm? I'd like to see how many of you whipped your, kid, whipped your daughter at 16 years old. Huh, they're not that old yet, I know. I said, I t- okay, hey, we're, we're right there. Oh, I see. Oh, man, we're pretty good company here. <laughs> hmm? But some of you haven't gotten there yet. Hello? So before you criticize us, I want you to know, Job prayed for his children, and he gave sacrifices. He, he prayed for them. Does this mean that if you pray for them and they don't turn out exactly like you think they should, that your prayers are wasted. I do not believe that. You better just thank God they're in church. You know how many parents and they just wring their hands and go to bed at night because their kids are not in church. They don't even act saved, no less really be saved. Hello? All my children are in church and I'm thankful. Four of them are in full-time Christian service. Amen? And that includes... She can't do it yet, amen? So maybe five. You say, are they going to be? You know what they used to do? They used to come up and say, boy, your boy, he's so well behaved. This is what they used to tell me. You know what I'd say? As long as he stays that way. You know what, you know what so many of you parents do? You just puff up and say, isn't she lovely? Isn't he lovely? That's not the right attitude. If they stay straight, fine. If they don't, they can disgrace you and disgrace your wife. Adam and Eve had two sons. The very firstborn was a murderer. And you cannot blame Adam and Eve for it either. The mark was put on Cain, not on Adam and Eve. Yes or no? And Abel, same mother, same father. He did pretty well, didn't he? Seth, the third one to replace Abel. He must have been pretty wicked. He killed his own brother because he was righteous. Cain killed his own brother. And then Seth came and replaced. So... That's pretty good. Two out of three, pretty good. So what are you going to do? Stone Adam and Eve because Cain didn't do right. Well, let's just change that verse on the, on the sign. Train up a child the way he should go, and when he's older, do not depart from it. Some people think that the parents are, 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 are guilty. 
No, you just keep praying for your children and you keep showing them how to live and you keep making, making them do what you know they should be doing to the best of your help. And by the way, we're all loving, if we have the right kind of heart, we love our kids. We don't want to beat on them all the time or be disciplining them all the time. We do want to have good times with them. But they, if they have a good heart attitude, they can have a good time at church. Right, the kids can come to church and see their friends at church. Amen? Discipline. Reverence for the Bible. Then family altar. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. says a family altar. He said his father came home one day from church, from the services. Isn't that something? He came home from the church services. said, we're going to set up a family altar. He said, go get the Bible. Then when his father died, he said, my father didn't have a trained voice like so many at the university did, but he had a nice voice, and he sang a beautiful song there, and just before he died, his father. But he said all those years, he said, then dad was gone sometimes, and I had to have family devotions. Dr. Bob Jones, Sr. Family altar. Do you have a family altar? A family altar will alter the family. And a lack of it will sure mess it up, too. Hmm? Train. Most of us train our horse and our dog more than we do our children. Training is a lot of work. The more kids you have, the more training you have. Amen? More kids, more training. Hmm? I was so delighted as I was talking to Linda the other day and you know, her girls are almost to the place where they're really going to start picking up the load. What is it, eight and nine? Is that what it is? Eight and nine. When they're nine and ten, man, you get that stuff. Your mother's got too much on her hands right now. Amen? Very soon, just make sure their hair's all back and start them cooking, too. <laughs> I do anything. They got to do everything. You get a family that big. Yeah, amen. I hear from brother number nine over there. Amen? Train up a child. Mama can't do it all. And don't you train your daughters, you ladies, to always go out and eat all the time, too. They may, they may, marry, may marry a man who doesn't have the money to do all that. And then they might just like to stay home. What if they marry a man and he doesn't like to even go out and eat? He just wants to stay home. He's got all the money and he doesn't want to spend it. He's, he said, no, I, I married you. I needed to cook. And I cooked for myself a long time as a single man. I, I'm going to stay home. I, I just, I just, we'll, just eat to, we'll just eat together and we'll eat with our kids. We're eating out crazy people today. We're eating out crazy. You know what? There's only one problem with eating out. Well, there's a lot of problems with eating out. It's costly. It costs you at least twice as much to eat out as it does to stay home and eat at home. At least twice as much money. Hello? Don't you say it's only a third. I don't believe a word of it. It's, it's at least half to eat at home. Second thing is, second thing is, you've got the atmosphere out there that's not godly. And you're a Christian now. You're a Christian. They need the family. Time. And then the last one, family altar, and then a consistent living. And Dr. Bob Sr. said that's the most difficult at all. Consistent Christian living. Christ was faithful. 
we read that verse in Deuteronomy 7, 9. It says, Thy God, He is God, the faithful God. Samuel, 1 Samuel 2, uh, 35. I will raise me up a faithful priest. Proverbs 14, 5. A faithful witness will not lie. 1 Corinthians. By the way, you can get caught in a lie, and it doesn't mean you're a liar. Hello? You can get caught in something and think something was right, and then you find out later that things are different. That happened recently here at our church. Months and months later, we find out that that wasn't the case at all. Hmm? So you say you were lying all that time? No, you just, you just down the road a little bit, you found out a little bit more about something. You better watch before you put your finger on somebody and, and blame somebody. You better really be careful before you blame this pastor. Or blame Pastor Hammonds. He's an ordained minister of the gospel. You do not treat him like every man in this church. I said you do not treat him like every man in this church. You're important, Brother Dormany, but you're not an ordained minister. And you know what? People look up to us in some regard even more than they do you. Amen? Therefore, our life has got to be above reproach. And you better never bring up an accusation. I'm prone to pick it up even with my own brother, Brother Hammonds here. And I'm sure he is. We, we're not do that. But you especially, you ought not bring up any accusation against an elder. Now, you're important, Brother Farron. I didn't say you're not important. And you're real important in the family. Amen? I was going to say she better behave. Uh, but you both better behave. Amen? You, or you're not a good example. Amen? Him too, that boy there. If he gets bigger than you, amen, stronger than you, you both jump on him. Make him mine till he's out on his own. Then you can start your own home and mess it up. Huh? Huh? Come on now. I'm trying to help you now. You don't, you, you don't go around, and you don't go around and, and, and saying things about Brother Grab or his wife. Amen. They two are one flesh. Mrs. Hammonds, this is, this, is one, this is one party. They two are one flesh. Hello? And we even ask the women when we ordain them. We check them out, too, and make sure they're faithful to their husband. Because they two are one flesh. If Mrs. Hammonds messes up or Linda messes up, my wife messes up, we're out of the ministry. We're out of the ministry. You be careful. You don't receive an accusation against an elder. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. You know why? Because if you, can de- if you can bring down the character of Pastor Harvey or Pastor Hammonds, then some people will never go and serve God again. They won't. They won't. Did you know that? They won't just quit this church. They won't go to any church. When that dear man that we knew, I told you about the drinking of the alcohol and became drunk out driving, first thing out of my mouth was, it's a shame. What a testimony he had. But you know what's worse? Some people will never serve God again. Some people will never serve God again because they had their eye on him. Paul said, follow me as I follow the Lord. We need to be faithful. God is faithful. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Who will not suffer to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also way make, make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Faithful is he that calleth you. Moses was faithful, it's told us in the scriptures. I believe that's in, in Hebrews. It says in 1 Peter 4, 19, he's a faithful creator. Our God is faithful. He's a faithful creator. In 1 John 1, 9, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. By the way, by the way, 
while I'm on what I said before, it'd be terrible, terrible if a child in the school would start a false accusation about Pastor Hammond or Mrs. Hammond. Huh? A child? I hope you'd never believe your child over Pastor Hammond's or Mrs. Hammond's. My parents, in their unconverted state, had more wisdom than that. Hello? Hello? And we're all prone. We're all prone to listen to our little angel. I've got one in my home. Her name's Bethany right at this moment. Amen? All the other angels are gone. And now they're really finding out how angelic they are. They make their own way. Hmm? I think you need to be extra specially careful that you don't run down my daughter, too, though. Hello? Because if you, if you find fault with my daughter, you're finding fault with this pastor and his wife. God called minister of the gospel. Very dangerous. Amen? Hello? She's part of our family. Did you get it? Got it. Good. Who said that recently? Franklin. I like that. I've kind of been using that lately in my thinking. Got it? Get it? Got it? Good. Okay, any of something. Pretty good. Listen. Listen. Just be cautious what you say. And you, Listen, everything that looks a certain way is not that way. You, you, you ought to be big enough to go to that person and say, what is the truth about this thing? Or just, just don't believe your little angel. Hello? You can't trust a one of them, can you? These two are not in their heads. And you know what? Your kids may end up, maybe didn't start out all that great, but they may end up better than all the rest of ours. See, well, we all know how to do it, don't we? Huh? huh? Oh, that Dormany boy. Oh. And we heard a little bit about that a few years ago, but things are picking up. Business is getting a lot better. Seeing a little bit more godliness in Christianity and your your. You're beaten and your strictness is it's, it's coming it's coming around. It's doing all right. Amen. And every horse race doesn't mean that that horse is not going to come over the line first. That cross country run, that guy may be just plodding along, but all of a sudden he just knows. And boy, all of a sudden when they're all slowing up and he comes with that second, third, or fourth wind, whatever it is, and there he goes, buggity buggity by them all. Hello? See, if all you do is see the circumstances and you don't see God who can change the circumstances, you go to get in despair. But God's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can even ask or think. Think. So if you have a child and you say, boy, he's, he or she are just, they're just so unspiritual. They're, they're not spiritually minded. I wonder if they have a, a sensible thought in their whole brain. I mean, going into every crevice of the brain, can I find one sensible spiritual thought? And that may be the one that will excel in the future. You just don't know when God gets a hold of them. Christ Jesus in Revelation 1.5 Christ Jesus, who is the faithful witness. And then Revelation 3.14, the amen, 
and the true, uh, the true and faithful witness. And then it says in, in Revelation again, Upon him was called faithful and true, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him. He that sat upon him, behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. Faithful. It's an attribute of God. Jesus was faithful. And then I want to say that, that Job could not have been proud as, a, as, listen to me, surely he could have had a proud moment. Surely. Sure he could have had that. But his, you don't go around calling Job a proud man. I think these others would be better. I think he was a holy man. I think he was a door to help a lot of people out of their poverty. I think he gave living water to many people, pointed them to the Christ of Calvary. Wasn't he a good shepherd? I was looking at all these signs. Wasn't Job like a rock? Wasn't he strong? Everyone else was was vacillating, and he was strong. A light. It says about him, he was a light to the blind people. He was a light. He was bread to the hungry. He was a counselor. Then I thought about over here. He says, I know that my Redeemer liveth on the bottom, the resurrection. The latter days he shall stand upon the earth. I'm telling you, Job was a Rosa Sharon for somebody who needed a lily or something. Amen? He was the, he was the Savior to a lot of poor people and nobodies. He was there for them. And in his own right, he was, a, he was a counselor over there, and he was a prophet as well. He was a great man. He was the greatest man in all the East. And for you to go around saying, well, he's proud, I, 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 think, you're, I think he might have had a proud moments. So might all of us have proud moments. But that was not his lifestyle. He was anything but proud. Proud people do not care for these poor people and widows and the fatherless. Look at these verses with me in, in uh, Job. Now we'll finally get into Job here. Look there with me. We'll look at a couple of verses. Job 31. I believe every one of these verses are in 31. Job 31, verse 16. Look there with me, please. If I have withheld the poor from their desire, or have caused the eye of the widow to fail, or have eaten my morsel myself alone. The fatherless hath not eaten thereof. For my, from my youth he was brought up with me as with a father, and I have guided her from her, uh, my mother's womb. He acted like he already, always had orphans or poor people around the, the table with him. And yet they accused him of not doing this. Look at verse 19 again about the poor. If I have seen any perish for want of clothing, Job clothed the poor and the needy. Most proud people don't want to be around dirty little urchins. Most proud people don't want... In those days, in those days, an orphan was an orphan. I mean most likely extremely poor. Stinky. 
couldn't even keep their bodies clean. Widows, nothing of this world. Their husband died. And he was doing it all, paying it all. And Job was there. He put clothing on him. Look at 20. If his loins have been blessed, and if he were not warmed with the fleece of my sheep. He used the fleece of his sheep to cover and to warm those that didn't have clothing, to keep them warm at night. Proud people don't bother with that. They just go on their merry way and buy themselves some more fleece and they're having it all made for themselves. They don't care for dirty people, stinky people. Now, they, might do, uh, they may do something once in a while in a big way and give a big donation for something as everyone, so everybody can pat them on the back, but the general thing is they, they forget the poor. In fact, they, they got rich, a lot of them, because of taking advantage of the poor and the fatherless and the widows. And then gold, look at uh, 20. Fatherless is mentioned again in verse number 21. And then... Verse 24, if I have made gold my hope, or if I, uh, or have said to the fine gold, thou art my confidence. He didn't do that. His confidence was in God, the great provider. He did not love money. <coughs> then he did not think evil, or say evil, or wish evil to his enemies even. Look at 29, verse 29. I hope you don't wish evil to other people. That's so vile. You should rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Don't ever get the place. Well, he's getting what he deserves. That's just not the answer. We don't want people to get what they deserve. We want them to get grace because we all deserve something worse than we received. All of us. If, if I rejoiced at the destruction of him that hateth me, or lifted up myself when evil found him. Neither have I suffered my mouth to sin by wishing a curse to his soul. We should ask God to bless people. Christ was God, is God, and forever shall be God. And yet he was not proud. Jesus was not proud. And he's God in the flesh. I'll tell you what Jesus was proud of. He was proud of his father. <laughs> Not proud of himself. And then our last point, our third one, humble. The opposite of pride is humility. Caring for the widow, widows and the fatherless. That's God's business all through the Bible. The Lord speaks about the poor. It says, God resisteth the proud. God was not resisting Job. God was testing Job. That's an altogether different thing. I believe, I believe if you could say that, God is God. He knew what was going to happen before he even tested Job and everything. For he's God Almighty. But if we can take it in our little vernacular, the Lord was on Job's corner and saying, I know you'll make it. I haven't brought you up to Satan you're not going to let me down, Job. You're going to come out as pure gold. Or I wouldn't have let you be tempted to begin with.
And you know what it says about, it says God will bring down, in another portion of Scripture, I don't have the exact verse, but it says God will bring down the poor, I mean the proud. God will bring down the proud. He'll lift up the poor, but he'll bring down the proud. And Christ was a friend of sinners. Christ was a friend of publicans. Matthew, he was a friend of widows. He was a friend of the wicked woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, the half-breed. The woman at his feet. I heard another tape and it said, you know, Jesus said, uh, Doth any man condemn thee? She said, No man, Lord. And then he went and said, Go and sin a little less. <laughs> no. He said, Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. I am amazed as I try to close this message out how many times it's mentioned in the Old and New Testament and sinneth not. It says over in Psalm 14 and so many other places in the Old Testament and then in the New Testament in Romans. For there is no man that sinneth not. We've all sinned. All sin. But we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So did Job sin? Yes, Job sinned. But I'll tell you, he was sure an example of righteousness. If God had one, he had one in Job. And I thank God for that. I hope, I hope we could be a little more righteous like Job, a little more faithful like Job, a little more uh, lacking in pride like Job, a little bit more humble like Job. I could use that, pray that I'll have that. That would be good for me and be good for all of us. Help us to do that, Lord. Father, bless us. Make us a blessing. Thank you, for dear God, for all the blessings as we preached this morning on thankfulness. I sure needed that message, Lord. So many times I get my eyes temporarily off of thee and on the circumstances of life. And dear God, it's to our own detriment. We need to just go around saying, praise God, praise God. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank, thank thee, Lord, for this and thank thee, Lord, for that. Bless us, Lord, even as we meet tonight. The workers, dear God, as we plan for camp, we forgot to make that announcement, Lord. That's important. And we pray that, dear God, as we would gather together just for a few moments over in the servicemen center we pray that we'd plan some things and they'd be profitable bless our church thank you lord for the lights coming on i didn't even ask i didn't even, here I, I made such a big stink about it and didn't even thank thank you lord when it came on or i maybe breathed a quick thank you but for all the other breathing i did dear god i should have praised thee as much and thanked thee for the lights coming on as much as i was concerned about it being right this morning and here it was right. We thank Thee for it. Praise Thee for all Thy blessings. Help us, Lord, to be the right kind of Christians. Help us to have integrity. Thank Thee for Brother Snodderly calling me on the phone and said, Is it all right to go over and speak for Brother McVaney tonight? Dear Lord, I thank Thee for the courtesy that our Brother Snodderly has that many others don't have. Thank Thee for some others. Thank Thee, dear Lord, for Brother Aaron Snyder, who came up to me and asked me if it was all right to give out his prayer letters. Ask me if it was all right, Lord, to, to give out the, the radio broadcasts. And it was such a delight to say, sure you can, but I'm sure glad you came and asked me first. Thank you for politeness. Lest possibly with others that are, we don't have as much confidence in, and, dear Lord, they get all kinds of songs and literature and tapes that we don't want our people to have. 
And I thank thee for the courtesy of these two Christian father and son. Now bless us, Lord. Make us a blessing.